Well, good morning. We'd like to begin our worship service uh, this morning with uh, handbells playing for us, the Carol of the Kings. we thank you uh, to the handbells for preparing that. Appreciate Trish and her leadership in that group. I want to give a little shout out to Roman Creed, who actually uh, has arranged both of the pieces that they'll be playing this morning. And unfortunately, Roman is sick in bed this morning. So uh, I think he's watching uh, us on live stream. So uh, hey to Roman and uh, hope he gets to feeling better soon. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Fred Holcomb. I'm the worship pastor here at Grace, and we want to welcome you to our service today, uh, especially our visitors. We trust that you receive a blessing from uh, the worship service today and your experience with the Lord and with our Grace uh, family here. Our pastor, uh, Adam Love, is um, on vacation with his family, and they'll be uh, returning later this week, but we're excited to have uh, Steve Faulkner with us, and we'll be introducing him a little bit uh, later in the service. 
Um, just a few updates in some prayer requests. Uh, we've been praying for Joe Edwards, who had hip replacement surgery, and he's at home doing well. We continue to pray for uh, Robert Malone, who's been struggling with some physical issues, and he actually been in the e in and out of the ER the last couple of weeks, but is home, and um, hopefully feeling a little bit better. Continue to pray for him. Um, some sad news this morning. We've been praying for uh, McKinley Burnett, the nine-year-old granddaughter of Ed and um, Laura Welsh, uh, for a number of weeks after she had a stroke and then a main, major brain bleed, and she passed away yesterday morning. So we uh, continue to lift the Welsh family and uh, up in prayer, and specifically her mom and dad and sister, uh, Jacob, Susan, and Chloe, and uh, just know that, that that family's hurting today. And uh, even though um, they're not members of our church, the Welshes are. And uh, we want to we wanna pray for Ed and Laura and their entire family uh, during this time, uh, tough time. But thankful that uh, um, we can rejoice and grieve at the same time. So before we pray, I want to read a couple of portions of scripture with you. The first one is from Romans twelve fifteen, and it says that we can rejoice with those who rejoice and we can weep with those who weep. And in Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 28, it says, Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we come to you this morning, and as we read from Scripture, we want to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and we want to grieve with those who are grieving. God, we're thankful that McKinley is with you today. And fully healed, fully healed. And yet we ask that you would please soothe the hearts of the families, the Burnett and Welsh families today and in the coming days. It's going to be tough days ahead. And we pray that we could be an encouragement to them. But we know ultimately your Holy Spirit is the one that comforts. And so we pray for that promise that they can cling to today. Lord, thank you for bringing us to this place at this time, and we ask that you would meet with us in a great way as we come before you today, as we come to worship and praise you. So we pray those things in Jesus' name, amen. We're thankful for this season. We're able to worship together and sing some Christmas carols this morning and other songs that will draw our attention to our great God. So would you stand with us as we begin by singing Joy to the world.
was before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold Him, Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Roaring Lion. Oh, be still and behold Him. He who died with sinners and saints, healed the blind and lost and the lame. Even now he is in our midst. Behold him. He who chose a criminal's end, paid with blood to settle our debt. Very death as he rose to Oh, 
Thank you. Please be seated. We'll have the handbells play for us once again before we introduce our speaker this morning. Thank you again to this group for playing. They practice a lot, so I'm just thankful for their dedication to that this morning, and thanks again to to Roman for arranging those. Um, As I said uh, earlier, we have a special guest with us this morning. It's been a joy to have Steve and his wife, Judy Faulkner, with us for a number of months here at Grace, and I know many of you have gotten to interact with them and um, along the way, so we appreciate that. But Steve and Judy, um, have had uh, various ministries uh, prior to them coming here. I was talking to Steve a few minutes ago, but um, they were in Texas for uh, 17 years, I believe, and then they were in Ontario most recently for 20, 20 years in some uh, churches there. But uh, some may know Steve as a son of Dr. J.R. Faulkner from Highland Park. And then uh, Judy 
is the daughter of uh, Garland and Reba uh, Cofield, missionaries that we supported here at Grace for years. So some connections from uh, years past. So we're excited uh, for what God's going to share through you this morning, Steve. So you come in and share with us this morning. Thank you, Fred. You know you're in trouble when you're on your way to the church you're about to preach at and your wife announces from the front seat of the car, she says, I feel a nap coming on. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't realize what she was saying because she had a, a little rough time sleeping last night and uh, she makes every effort to give her full attention to the preaching of the word and she so loves Pastor Adam and his preaching and he does a wonderful job and so that's no reflection on her she was just commenting on the fact that she struggled last night but I took it personally <clears throat> yes I did let me begin by saying how honored I am to be sharing the word with you today it's an honor it's humbling for me I have uh, teachers here I have fellow classmates, former classmates, uh, team members, um, mentors, friends from the past, and friends I don't even know yet, friends that I expect to be making with you over the course of time. And it's just an honor to be here uh, with you. But that's really not the point. It's, it's simply uh, something that I'm grateful for to have the opportunity to stand before you to share the Word of God. Judy and I have tremendous respect for Grace, for Grace Baptist Church and all you've been through. We have respect for the pastor, Pastor Adam, the pastoral staff, you, the congregation, and all that you have been through in showing the resiliency, the dedication to the cause of the body of Christ here. And Judy and I were watching and streaming from Canada when I was on sabbatical, watching your services after the tornado hit and uh, some of the things you were having to do and still do now in order to function as the body of Christ. And we have tremendous admiration for you and we pray for Grace Baptist Church. <clears throat> like most folks, this is a favorite time in the year uh, for Judy and me. Uh, Christmas, who doesn't like it? There are some people who struggle during the Christmas season and we understand that the most important reason is the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And that's, there's no contest there. The account of Christ coming in the flesh to be our savior and redeemer is something that we give full attention to at this time, especially those of us who believe. There are other reasons more on a temporal level that I enjoy about this season. The celebration of Thanksgiving, which serves as the gateway into the Christmas season. And maybe you and your family uh, appreciate that and you uh, put those two together. We certainly do. My wife and I were married during the Thanksgiving season back in 1982. That's 41 years ago. And uh, we, uh, we put all of that together, the celebrations of our anniversary, the celebration of Thanksgiving, the gateway into the Christmas season. It's very, very special for us. Another thing that is special to us about the Christmas season is Handel's Messiah. It gives us an excuse to listen to it, to go see presentations of it, but I don't limit the uh, 
experience of Handel's Messiah just through the Christmas season. It's the word of God put to music. And that to me, uh, if you have uh, an appreciation for it, the style of music, the content of course is the word of God. And uh, I listen to it year round. I find reasons to listen to it. I study by it. Uh, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And whenever I get to see a presentation of it or even do a sing-along, go to a sing-along, it's very, very special. And uh, that's another reason why I enjoy the Christmas season. Also, the attention given to angels during the Christmas season. I'm not a mystic, I'm not a sensationalist, but there's a special ministry that angels have and it is all the more emphasized with the Christmas story. And so the one of the fascinating things about Christmas is the attention given to angels. For believers and non-believers alike, the topic of angels do get a lot of attention. In the Polar Express, some of you've seen this film. In the film, the Polar Express, a doubting boy boards a magical train on Christmas Eve, which is headed for the North Pole. Adventure after adventure befall him and a little girl who becomes his friend as they are guided along by the conductor. As the train ascends a particularly steep hill, the threesome is climbing from the top of the engine down into the coal car. The conductor is telling them to watch for ice when the boy slips. The conductor grabs him just in time and swims him back on board, which reminds the conductor of his first trip on the Polar Express. As they make their way back into the train, they talk about what it really means to believe. Conductor says this, years ago on my first Christmas Eve run, I was up on the roof making my rounds when I slipped on the ice myself. I reached out for a hand iron, but it broke off. I slid and fell, and yet I did not fall off this train. The girl said, someone saved you? The conductor said, or something. The girl said, an angel. The conductor said, maybe, but he said it in such a way that it showed conviction of a yes. The boy said, wait, what did he look like? Did you see him? The conductor said, no, sir. Maybe sometimes seeing is believing, yet other times the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. And we know that as believers, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the doctrine of angels in the Bible is something that is very special and it bears that out among other things. With all the wonderment that angels arouse, not everyone is convinced of their reality. Sophie Burnham, in a book of angels, a book that she wrote, says it is not that skeptics do not experience the mysterious and divine, but rather that the mysteries are presented to them in such an everyday, reasonable way so as not to disturb. In other words, their ministry is very, very subtle. They don't draw attention to themselves. Perhaps the ones who notice it are those who expect it because they have assurance that the scriptures attest to it. That would be you and me. We believe what the Bible teaches uh, about angels. 
In Psalm 91, it says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, lest you dash your foot against a stone. In the early 1960s, during the course of the civil rights movement in the United States, a middle-aged mother answered a knock at the door only to find an elderly black man looking to do some work so that he could eat. The woman invited the man into her kitchen and made him a sandwich and they visited while he ate. The two discovered that they shared a common faith in Jesus Christ and they talked about how he had been faithful in their lives. When the man thanked the woman for his simple meal, he departed the house, but he left his hat behind in the kitchen where they had eaten. Only a few minutes had lapsed when the woman rushed out the front door, waving the hat for the man who could not be found anywhere, and whose sudden disappearance led the woman to conclude she had entertained an angel unawares. That woman was my mother, and she's told that story when she was alive many times. Hebrews 13 and verse 2, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Billy Graham made this statement in a book entitled Angels. Christians should never fail to sense the operation of angelic glory. It forever eclipses the world of demonic powers as the sun does candlelight. In the article entitled Marveling at the Mystery, it was a publication in Kindred Spirit, a publication of uh, Dallas Seminary. The writer says something about the Christmas story appeals to our fascination with mystery. It has all the elements of intrigue, the aura of starlit skies, ancient customs, rustic environs, delicate life, veiled greatness, inquisitive wisdom, high conspiracy, imminent danger, and oh yes, angels. They are the unruffled presence in a plot unfolding on the pages of history. They are God's choice to mediate the most remarkable event bridging time and eternity. So in the next few moments, I would like us to probe the relationship of angels to God's son, Jesus Christ, because Jesus is the focus, not angels. But I want us to look at the role of angels in drawing attention to the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. And so the relationship that angels have to us, the relationships they have to him, uh, we will do this through consideration of a thought-provoking sentence. And this is the sentence. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels, that which angels long to look into. We're going to deconstruct this sentence and put it back all together here along the course of our discussion this morning. Number one, he who is far greater than the angels. Would you take your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one. He who is far greater than the angels. Hebrew one, Hebrews one. And he, verse 3, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he, Jesus Christ, had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, 
as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Why would the writer of Hebrews be starting with this point, with this particular focus? The reason for that is, is that <clears throat> the emphasis of the superiority of Jesus Christ over angels was written to a group of people who were on the verge of turning back from their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. These were Jews, that's the name of the book. And they were in the face of persecution, tempted to go back into the practice of Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews is emphasizing the superiority of Jesus Christ, beginning with uh, angels, talking about Moses, about the Aaronic priesthood, about sacrifices and so forth. And that is the unfolding of the entire book of Hebrews. But he starts with angels because the Jews in that day gave special attention and placed a premium on the ministry of angels. And so as he's doing this, the writer, he's emphasizing the superiority, superiority of Jesus Christ, he who is far greater than the angels, which raises the question, what is Jesus like in relation to the angels? I'm gonna give you a grocery list of different things about Jesus Christ, attributes and functions of Jesus Christ as the second person of the Trinity that affect the role of angels. It's not gonna show on the screen. If you'd like to write it down, feel free. What is Jesus like in relation to the angels? Number one, he created the angels. John 1, verses 1 to 3, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Who is that? Jesus Christ. He is the living Word. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He created the angels. Colossians 1, verse 16, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is the creator. The angels were one of the entities that he created. So angels were created by him. He is believed to have taken the form of an angel. Here I am speaking of Jesus Christ. He, before he was incarnate, before he came in human flesh, is believed to have made appearances on this earth in angelic form. I give you case in point, Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, the angel, the angel of the Lord that appeared to him to announce that he would bear a son in his twilight years. Uh, he is believed to have taken the form of an angel with Jacob when uh, Jacob wrestled with the angel at Jabbok with Joshua, with Gideon, with the three Hebrew young men in the fiery furnace. Those are believed to be what are called Christophanies, manifestations of Christ before he took on human flesh. So Jesus is believed to have taken the form of an angel. Jesus is attended to by angels in the scripture at his birth, Luke chapter two. Verse 9, it says, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. It's the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So he's attended by angels at his birth. At his temptation in Matthew chapter 4, 
where it talks about the devil left him after Jesus had disputed and answered uh, Satan's temptation of him with the word of God in each setting. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Not only at his birth and his, his temptation, but also at his death. In Matthew chapter 26, don't you think that I cannot appeal to my father? says Jesus, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. He was attended to by angels at his resurrection. The announcement that he had risen again from the dead. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it and his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook for fear and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who's been crucified. He's not here for he has risen just as he said, come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Who's talking? The angel. Jesus was attended to at his birth, at a temptation, at his death and at his resurrection and at his ascension in Acts chapter one. Verses 11 and following, as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood behind them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go up into heaven. At his second coming and the events, the rapture, and then the second coming of Christ to the earth. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who know not God. So you see the activity of angels, how he created them and how he was attended to by them. And so uh, in all of this, Jesus Christ is far greater than the angels. We know from the book of Revelation how he is worshiped by angels. In Hebrews chapter one, you can look down at verse six where the text says, when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. He's worshiped by angels. Jesus Christ is far greater than the angels. Now, that doesn't take uh, convincing on your part because you already know that and you believe it. We're being reminded of it in his word. But he who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels. And that's where I'd like you to look at chapter two of Hebrews. Verse five, and this gets to where we are. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him? or the son of man that you're concerned about him. 
You've made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Speaking of Christ, verse 9. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels. And this is where we are having to do with the fact, what are we as humans like in relation to angels? He identified with us when he took on human flesh. And when he did that, he was becoming like us in the sense we were a little lower than the angels. How are we a little lower than the angels? Well, we have less ability than the angels, having to do with knowledge. Angels who are creatures of God know things that we don't know. In James chapter 2, we talk about the fallen angels. You believe that God is one, you do well, that the demons also believe and they shudder. They know. In reference to power, in Matthew 28, where I was reading just a moment ago, having to do with uh, uh, the, the role of the angel at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that he displayed in rolling the stone away. In verse 2, it says, Behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. They have much more power than we do. We are observed by angels in ways that we're not able to observe them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 9, for I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all. Paul is talking as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities, a reference to angels, might be made manifest, made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Angels are watching us. They're observing this worship service today. We are observed by angels. We're guarded by angels. A reference that I've alluded to just a moment ago in Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12 where he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. We're guarded by angels. You who have little children, you know how precious that thought is to you when you are not omnipresent mom you're not omnipotent you can't watch every moment in the care of your children but you know that your children have guardian angels and you believe that it gives you a sense of confidence and hope I know it was for us when our children were small in his book entitled angels God's secret agents again Billy Graham writes millions of angels are at God's command and at our service the hosts of heaven stand at attention as we make our way from earth 
to glory. And Satan's BB guns are no match for God's heavy artillery. In this same book, the late Dr. Graham related a story about missionary John Payton and his wife in the country where they were serving. It is said that one night they were surrounded by hostile natives who wanted to kill them. They prayed through the night for protection. And at daylight, they saw that the attackers were leaving. A year later, the chief of the tribe of the attackers became a Christian and Peyton asked him about the night of the attack and why nothing had happened. The chief was surprised and said it was because of all the men who were there protecting them, hundreds of them in shining garments with drawn swords. You say, that's fantastical. Well, sure it is. But there are stories repeated in different cultures and even here in the United States where accounts like this has been uh, shared by credible people. Here's another story that might hit home even more with us today. It comes from the Christian reader. Brenda Harvey, her husband Danny, and two sons survived an F4 tornado with only minor injuries. Their house was completely destroyed, but their faith was only strengthened as they uh, learned one important detail from their son Chase who had first awakened Brenda and Danny moments before the tornado hit. Days later, Chase and I were alone together as she's recounting this. I felt compelled to ask, honey, what woke you that morning? Whatever it was saved our lives. Chase hesitated. I didn't know how to tell you, he started. I can't for sure I can't say for sure what woke me the first time, but I got up and I looked out the window, then I went back to bed. And that's when it happened. Something or someone moved a hand across the back of my hair. And I knew I was supposed to wake you. He gave me a look which said, you're not going to believe this. Mom, it was my guardian angel. I didn't see her, but I know it was. He gave me a, she said, oh yes, Chase. I believe you. And as I grabbed him in a bear hug, recalling that within moments of his leaving his room to come and tell us that the storm was coming, that room was obliterated along with Tyler's room and ours. I would venture to say that there are people in this room who have accounts that you can recall where you could testify to the fact of the angelic intervention that's the only way you can explain it. Again, I'm not a mystic. I'm trying to take this through the filter of the Word of God. We're observed by angels. We're guarded by angels. We are ministered to by angels. In verse 14 of chapter 1, you're in chapter 1 of Hebrews. Notice what it says. Are they not all ministering spirits and out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Let me share a statement with you. Great occasions for seeing the hand of God through amazing miracles seldom come. You say, whoa, 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 seldom come? Well, that's the nature of a miracle. They're rare. Let me start the sentence again. Great occasions for seeing the hand of God through amazing miracles seldom come. But little ones surround us daily through the subtle intervention of angels.
We are ministered to by angels, and we will one day judge angels, says the word of God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? Paul the Apostle says, here's the point. Jesus Christ was able to bring what he brought to us. We who are a little lower than the angels, because he himself was made a little lower than the angels, just like us, for the suffering of death. And that was the point of him taking on human flesh. That's why we celebrate Christmas, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the entry of our Redeemer into the world from eternity past so that he could be our substitute and our Savior. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. I'd like you to look at verse 9 again of Hebrews chapter 2. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. This brings us to the third element, this third part of our sentence that we are constructing. He who is far greater than the angels brought to us who are a little lower than the angels that which angels long to look into. I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning at verse 10, it says, To this salvation the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Up to this point, you hear of the prophets, you hear about those who shared through the Spirit of Christ the good news of Jesus Christ, which would be, first of all, the apostles and then those who were even sent out by the apostles. Now it gets to this final statement, things which angels long to look into. Why is that? What is it they long to look into? What is it that is curious to them about it? Why are they fascinated? Well, why wouldn't they be fascinated? We're fascinated by our salvation. But in this way, there is a earnest longing, a deep desire to look into this redemption provided by Jesus Christ. That which angels long to look into, which raises the question at this point, Where do angels fit within God's redemption purposes? First of all, angels were originally holy. Just bear with me as we just review how uh, God in his redemption plan utilized the angels. Angels were originally holy. Genesis 1.31, God saw that all he had made and behold, it was very good. Some rebelled and sinned in Jude 6. Angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So not all angels are holy. You know of the fallen angels as demons. Evil angels shudder about their doom, a passage that I related just a moment ago in James 2. Holy angels rejoice 
at the conversion of sinners. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Holy angels assist men in the proclamation of the gospel in the book of Acts. We see that more than once in Acts chapter 8 having to do with Philip. There was an angel who was compelled to go from Samaria to the desert road south of Jerusalem to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch who was seeking the truth about the Messiah. It was an angel in Acts chapter 10 who compelled Cornelius, the Roman centurion, to seek out Peter, the apostle, in order for him to explain the message of Jesus Christ. So you see uh, how angels are involved in the redemption story. Holy angels marvel at salvation, a text we just read. It's something that they long to look into. In Ephesians 3 verses 10 and 11, his intent, God's intent, was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What does it mean that they long to look into this salvation that Jesus came to bring? It was a deep curiosity enveloped in fascination, appreciation, and marvel. Given this strong motivation by the angels to understand, I believe their focus obviously started with the sacrificial work of Christ. You reading the book of Romans and seeing the elements of the atonement, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the theology of John and his epistles, and even in the gospel of John. And given this strong motivation to understand they were looking into the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ. It is also strongly possible that their desire to look into extended also to the sympathetic work of Jesus Christ. I'd like you to go back with me to Hebrews chapter 2 and see why there's a strong case for this. It isn't just the sacrificial work of Christ and the atoning work of Jesus Christ that they marvel at. It is also the sympathetic work of Jesus Christ in his ministering to his children in the faith. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 16, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus is not afraid to call us brethren. That implies relationship, okay? saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, verse 13, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, talking about Jesus, likewise also partook of the same and through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That's the devil and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Verse 16, for assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. That's you and me. The spiritual relationship that we enjoy is a privilege that the angels do not share. Angels know that Christ didn't come 
like them as angels or become like them as angels in order to redeem them. They know that Christ didn't call them his brothers or his children like he does you and me who believe. I believe that angels are curious and fascinated with the special relationship that Christ has with his spiritual yet human human sons and brothers. Those who had put their trust in him, those who had the unique privilege of having a member of the Godhead who cared intimately enough about them to give access to his throne. That's a privilege that you and I enjoy as children of God through faith in Jesus Christ that the angels do not know about, except only to look in from the outside and marvel. They knew that members of the human race who were a little lower in status than they were had something that they didn't have, a special relationship with the Savior of the world who uniquely cared for them. One of the special features of that relationship is that Christ is the sympathetic high priest of his children. I mentioned this to point out how we sometimes take for granted some of the special features of our salvation. Some of the privileges we have in our relationship with Christ that are unique to us as human beings that angels do not and cannot experience. And as our sympathetic high priest, Christ ministers to us in our time of need. Notice what it says at the very end of this chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brethren. That is, take on human flesh and all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And he says this, the writer of Hebrew does, in the context that the angels are not a part of that. And don't you think they looking in on the special relationship that we enjoy with our Savior, our sympathetic high priest, that they're not moved by that? There's a curiosity, there's a fascination. Why do you think? Back, is it in verse 3 or verse 4 of chapter 2? Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Do you take for granted the privileges that you have as a child of God? Someone who's a little lower than the angels? Having had the second person of the Trinity become like you and me, taking on human flesh, becoming our atoning sacrifice and our sympathetic high priest to feel what we feel and to come to our aid in our time of need, that's also something that the angels marvel at, are fascinated with. And that's an impetus for us to appreciate more fully what we enjoy in Jesus Christ. Sometimes the things we struggle with as as fallen and frail human beings are all the more magnified during the Christmas season, such as grieving the loss of a loved one, anguishing over the illness of a loved one, or even the feelings of distraught for being estranged from a loved one. These are times when the ministry of the sympathetic high priest becomes all the more real and appreciated. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we are, 
yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Several weeks ago, I was driving a shuttle. I drive a shuttle in my semi-retirement. I go to Atlanta three times a week. I go to Nashville once a week. And there was a man who flagged me down. I'd, 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 also, I'd already filled up my tablet, all, checked in all the people who were to ride with me, and all of a sudden a man comes out of nowhere and he waves me down. And he is looking to catch the shuttle because uh, he, he, his flight came in early and he was scheduled to come an hour later on the next shuttle. He was wondering if I could work him in, so I called dispatch, I got him in. He sat down in the front seat with me riding shotgun and we visited, he's a believer. That took a while to get to that point, so I'm abbreviating this story. And we talked and we fellowship, we talk about ministry that he's involved in as a lay person. He travels quite a bit in his business and we visited and we uh, just encourage each other in our walk with the Lord. It was a sweet, sweet time. That didn't happen just that one time. It happened again, the same guy. Then just last week, this same guy is sitting in the office at Groom right when I'm ready to leave, and he's seated there with a young man. And I said, Jim, what are you doing here? He said, this is my son Patrick. He's visiting from Fort Bliss in El Paso. We were all scheduled to go down there for Christmas and have a family reunion at their place because they just have a newborn baby. But instead, because of an illness in our family, he came home early to be with us and to be with his sister and to pray over the situation that their family was dealing with. <clears throat> and so I ended up taking Patrick with me to the airport from Chattanooga to Atlanta. The last name is Burton. The name is Jim Burton, the grandfather of McKinley. I didn't know up until that time that he had a, a granddaughter who was near death. And he was telling me there in the office of Groom what was taking place. And I said, Jim, I didn't know. Then I checked the bulletin of Grace Baptist Church and the prayer list, and there's McKinley Burton. And I find out, even as I'm talking to Patrick on the way to Atlanta, and he's telling me the story about his niece, and I'm having brain lock right here, he's telling me that she'd been sick for some time with a congenital illness. And the that was the reason that he had come home to minister to his sister and to be with the family. And uh, that's how I found out about what was taking place. And then I come to Grace Baptist Church and I find that McKinley is on the prayer list here. And today, Fred, you make the announcement that McKinley has gone home to the Lord. The ministry of the body of Christ and intercession and praying for each other, the angels are observing that, the unique relationship that we enjoy coming to the throne of grace, that we may find grace to help uh, in time of need. All of those things are unique opportunities that we share as believers in Jesus Christ. And even in our sorrow at the announcement of something so sad today, 
that the sympathetic high priest is ministering to us. You say, what do angels have to do that? Well, I don't know what their role would be in that. All I know is, is that they are observing us as we take advantage of the special relationship that we have with our sympathetic high priest who ministers to us in our time of weakness and sorrow. And during this Christmas season, when you get together with your family, if you are praying for someone who's ill, if you're grieving the loss of someone who was, who's not here now, who was here last year, if you are missing someone who is alienated from you within your family, simply because of life circumstances, all of that are things that the sympathetic high priest is ministering to us in and through. And it's the angels who are saying, it's not in scripture. Don't you get it, people? You have something special. We marvel at that special relationship that you have with your Savior. It's something that we don't have. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Cautionary takeaways, very quickly. Don't ignore the mundane interruptions in life that very well could be angelic interventions or simply what we would call divine appointments initiated by God himself as you walk with his son, Jesus Christ. Don't ignore, be aware. They happen more frequently than we may think. Number two, don't forget that angelic messengers are not and cannot be the recipients of the sacrificial and sympathetic work of Christ intended for only you and me who are God's children by faith in Christ. That is why the angels intensely desire to look into it. Number three, do not mistake the limited ministry of angelic messengers for the measureless work of the mediator himself, Jesus Christ, which is far superior to anything angels could ever do. That would be a huge mistake. And as fascinating as the ministry of angels is, the focus should always be on Jesus Christ, whom they worship and serve, and the Holy Spirit who resides within us. And finally, don't neglect that so great salvation that you so you uh, have as a result of faith in Jesus Christ. It was first spoken through the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard, and it is the very thing that angels marvel at. Treasure it. He who is far greater than the angels, brought to us who are a little lower than the angels, that which angels long to look into, namely salvation for all mankind. Is it any wonder that the angels sing? And is there any reason why we shouldn't? <clears throat> oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us
Thank you, Steve. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? And as our musicians come and we prepare to sing a closing song, maybe a couple of words of admonition or questions, but maybe you're here this morning and maybe it sounds familiar or maybe not much of what Steve had to say this morning sounded familiar to you because you don't have a relationship with this Jesus. So would you take a minute and just search your heart? And if that's the case, we would love to spend some time with you. I know Steve would or some of our pastoral staff, some of our ladies would love to introduce you to scripture that talks about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, please, please come see us. We'd love to speak with you and then secondly if you're here this morning as we all do at times we take for granted the special relationship that we have called salvation and a special relationship that that gift gives to us as believers to interact and to fellowship with the Lord on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. Don't think for a minute that the conversation and the encounter that Steve had with Jim and Patrick a few days ago wasn't God-ordained because he knew in his sovereignty that Steve would be driving that day and would have the opportunity to encourage them in an also special, special way because they were hurting, they were grieving. So as believers, let's not take for granted the salvation and the the relationship that we have with Jesus and that we can interact with those around us and encourage them and pray for them. God, thank you for salvation, the gift. Thank you for coming to earth as a child for living that perfect life, for dying on a cross to take our sins upon yourself. So so willingly that we could know you and that we could spend eternity with you by accepting that free gift. We praise you for that this morning. As we sing together, would you sing with us? In a little village of
and ask Sandy to come and give us just a few announcements. Good morning. Thank you for being here with us today. My name is Sandy Grimacki, and I am the elementary director of our Grace Children's Ministry. I have a few short announcements before we head into our last fellowship time and discipleship hour of this 2023 year. We have enjoyed many wonderful Christmas activities these past few weeks, including our Christmas program, which was so beautiful with all the songs, and our Christmas banquet, which was a special time of fellowship as we celebrate this holiday season. We look forward to more exciting events coming up. For the next two Sundays, we will have an adjusted service time. Please take note that on both the 24th and the 31st, we will have one service at 10.30 a.m. We will look forward to having our kids in here with us as we celebrate a candlelight service on Christmas Eve, and then also for a unique service on New Year's Eve that includes celebrating the Lord's table. Please see your bulletin for more details about these upcoming events. Please also remember that we have no evening activities tonight, and we will not have them for the rest of the year. We will kick back off with Awana and all our regular activities on January 7th. Finally, we would like to thank everyone who has helped our children's ministry programs run throughout this 2023 year. From children's church to Sunday school, nursery, VBS, and Awana, we have many people who fill many, many roles to serve our kids. As a parent, I'm forever thankful. We have such an amazing group of kids, and to see them being loved well and pointed to Christ is such a gift to our church. I also want to point out that we have quite a few who serve in multiple roles, and for that we are very grateful too. We have a small gift to express just a tiny bit of our gratitude that you can pick up in the fellowship hall. Our kids will be standing by a table in the corner with gifts for you, so if you've served in any kids' ministry this year, please head over to the table. Um, we will head out to a fellowship time. If you're new here, it's straight through these back doors. Again, we're glad that you're here with us this morning, and you are dismissed. <laughs>